0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are two A-list celebrities who are just waiting for Seth Rogen to ask us to be voice actors in a superhero cartoon. I'm Matt Johnson, and I'm just so excited to write some Omni-Man and Homelander fanfic after this.
1: And I'm Austin Terry. And I can't help but wonder if Mark Hamill, our favorite actor of all time, will ever lend his voice talents
0: to the show. Me too. I mean, he was great in Season 1. We haven't got him in Season 2 yet, but he'll be back. I mean, I have a feeling that Mark Hamill will strong-arm his way into this show. <laughs> <laughs> was he actually in Season 1? Oh, I th- yeah. I thought you were joking with that. Oh, I forgot about that. He was the tailor that made all the superheroes' suits.
1: Oh, well... Good for Mark Hamill. Still
0: working. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Maybe he will be back. (laughs) Uh, But with that, of course, on today's show, we're talking about the season two premiere of the animated superhero show Invincible from Robert Kirkman over on Amazon Prime. We never did a full episode on Invincible season one for this podcast, but I know Austin and I, we both really were big fans of it. It's been a crazy long wait for this, though. I mean, it's been two and a half years, which is kind of crazy to think. I think like April 2021 was when that show was first premiering. Um, And I, for one, certainly missed it. I kind of don't really want to wait, though, since it's been so long. So let's just kind of get into it. Um, Austin, what were your thoughts on Invincible Season 1? And what are your non-spoiler thoughts on the Season 2 premiere?
1: Yeah, it's wild to think that it's already been two and a half years since Season 1. I thoroughly loved it when it was originally airing on Prime the first time around. Um, I know you loved it as well. We were trying that year, I remember, to find a way to work it into our recording schedule. We just couldn't make it happen. I thought season one was a great like proof of concept that we can make a grounded, ultra violent animated superhero show and people will watch it. And season two, I think, just picks up like right where it left off with that momentum. I was a little worried that maybe it was going to be too hyped and and it might let me down a little bit, but I'm all in. Uh, I, I can't wait to see the rest of the season. It's still carrying over those really interesting themes. All the characters are great. Um, The Omni-Man like mystery and like looming threat of the Viltramites, is still there. Um, And then it's cool to kind of see these heroes dealing with the after effects of such a violent tragedy that happened in the finale of season one, like the personal toll it takes and also the superhero toll it takes. So it's interesting, too, with like superhero fatigue out there that this show proves you can still do superhero stuff and keep it interesting and people will watch it. You just have to make it grounded in the characters. And I think they're doing a great job with that.
0: Yeah, I agree. And this show really is premiering in super good company. Uh, The Boys spinoff show also on Amazon, Gen V, that just finished up its first season. Loki season two, another show. You know, you talk about superhero fatigue. People certainly talk about Marvel fatigue. And I think Loki was always something that was considered better than a lot of the stuff they've been doing lately. And that's after a long wait is back for season two. And that's also knocking it out of the park and I think for the reasons you're talking about is just they really focus on characters. kind of a wild idea, you know. <laughs> if you just kind of present some interesting themes and put some characters through some interesting kind of you know, events and positions, you know, you can really do something good and I think a lot of stuff in this genre is not doing that. Um I loved Invincible season 1 for all the reasons you mentioned and I think it just it stands so high as well because the animation was Pretty, I think, run of the mill. I think they talked about how it was a proof of concept, like you said. It wasn't made for a lot of money. Yeah, they did not have a big budget for season one. But, I mean, it still looks good. It's just it doesn't look, I guess, what you would expect, like, maybe a bigger budget streaming service animated project to look like. But the story and the characters and everything happening is so good and interesting that you don't even think about that and you fall in love with it anyway. Um, I was so glad it's back. I really enjoyed the season two premiere. Part of me was a little sad that we didn't get uh, what they did with season one, which was like, hey, here's the premiere. Uh, Here's three episodes right off the bat. Yeah. Enjoy. Um, And part of me was like, so I wonder why they didn't do that. And also, I don't know if you saw this. I actually looked it up. And um, they're actually doing kind of a weird release here where they're releasing uh, for the next few weeks. They're going to get up to episode four and then they're taking a break until early 2024, apparently, and then releasing the last four episodes, which. I was a little disappointed,
1: (laughs) but um, that's probably why they didn't drop it all at once, (laughs) because then they're like, oh, we have to take a break for a few months. Uh, I hope I saw that, too. And I hope it's for a narrative reason. Like, I'm hoping there's some big thing in episode four that causes there to be a break in the show. Mm -hmm. If it's just to, like, keep the demand and interest, like, spread out for Prime throughout 2023 and 24, then that's pretty disappointing. Yeah. So we'll see what they do. But just like looking at this
0: premiere, I don't have like a ton to say about it. I was telling them to Austin before we started recording here, but that doesn't mean I didn't love it. And I was so glad to be back in this world. The voice acting is just out of control. Good. The animation looks a lot better. It's a lot cleaner. Um, Yeah, I don't know. And just like, you know, they're putting these characters through really dark things. I mean, depression, alcoholism. It's not something that you think right off the bat when it comes to projects like this. I'm really appreciating that they're not only continuing their narrative, but also kind of uh, introducing real-world elements. So, I don't know. Like, I don't have a ton to say, but I loved what I saw, and I'm excited for more.
1: Yeah, even like you know the real-world things, the violence, like all that stands out, but then even traditional superhero cliches, like our main character now has some pretty serious daddy issues, which is not uncommon to the superhero genre, but this is just done on such another level where we went through that journey with him in season one, and now it makes sense. Like, why his dad is such a driving force and who he's going to be as he comes into his own as a superhero. So even like the more traditional superhero stuff, this show still does really well. Yeah, 100 percent. Couldn't agree more. So like we said, it's been a crazy long wait
0: since uh, the season one finale of Invincible. If you weren't caught up, you didn't realize it was coming back or you just haven't got around to watching Invincible season two, episode one yet. Please go check it out. Austin and I both really recommend it. We're so excited that the show is back. Um, But yeah, the rest of the show will be spoiler filled. We have some thoughts and things that we want to talk about, maybe some predictions for the rest of the season. So go watch the episode first, then come on back. We'll be waiting for you. All right, everybody, welcome to Spoiler Territory. As always, we'll do a little cast and crew talk. So, Austin, start us off.
1: So Invincible is, of course, created by Robert Kirkman, who is most well known for creating The Walking Dead. He also executive produced the long-running AMC adaptation of that show. Uh, this premiere episode is directed by Sol Choi. This episode is written by Simone Rocchiopa, returning from season one. And of course, it's produced by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, who are also responsible for other comic book adaptations like Preacher and The Boys. Our score is composed by John Pesano. And of course, based on Invincible, the graphic novel written by Robert Kirkman, Corey Walker, and Ryan Otley.
0: All right. And we have a huge cast, like we alluded to, and it only gets bigger in season two. Uh, we have Stephen Yun as Mark Grayson, a.k.a. Invincible. Sandra Oh is Debbie Grayson. J.K. Simmons is Omni-Man. Gillian Jacobs is Adam Eve. Zazie Beetz is Amber. Christy Amantopoulos is Donald Ferguson. Zachary Quinto as Robot. Ross Marquand voices Rudy Connors, who is the human version of Robot. And he also voices the Immortal. Jason Mantanzukas as Rex Rexplode. Melise Zhao as Duplicate. Gray Griffin voices Shrinking Ray, Olga, and Amanda, who is the human version of Monster Girl. You got Kerry Payton as Black Samson. Kevin Michael Richardson voices Monster Girl and the Mahler twins. Jay Farrow as Bulletproof. And of course, we have Sterling K. Brown joining the cast as Angstrom Levy and the great Walton Goggins as Cecil Stedman. So Austin, any highlights there, positive or negative?
1: Yeah, I feel like it's impossible to give a highlight to just one um uh, in this show because the the cast is so huge it's so many well-known actors and it's just so many great like voicing talents being lent to the show. Um so I think I'm gonna give my highlight to people behind the scenes, um the director, the writers, the animators. Um I mean they're the reason this show sings so much. Um and the story is just always stays so interesting. I feel like every episode, even with season one, is just cliffhanger after cliffhanger and it keeps you so engaged. Um, The writing for the character is as beautiful and adult and grounded, and it doesn't feel cheesy or stupid like a lot of superhero stuff can do. Um, So I think everybody behind the scenes deserves a major highlight for the show.
0: Absolutely. Always with stuff like this, you have to shout out the animation department and that team. I mean, what they go through, like the amount of time that takes is just it's hard. It it has to be super hard. And they knocked it out of the park. Um, Yeah, if I'm going to look at the people, I guess not in front of the camera, technically, (laughs) with an animated project, but. With the voice talent, I mean, it's hard. Like you said, I mean, our three main people, the ones credited as the main actors are Steven Young, uh, Sandra O, oh, and J.K. Simmons, and they knock it out of the park in every single episode of the show. Uh, love seeing my favorite Sterling K. Brown, one of my favorite actors popping into the show as our crazy multiversal big, maybe now big brain villain. <laughs> he was fun to see. But I want to call out somebody that I also love consistently. I thought. His voice was perfect in season one, and I was so glad we got a bunch of good scenes with him in season two. It's Walton Goggins as Cecil. I love He's this so guy. Good. Such a mercurial character. I guess kind of the Nick Fury analog in this world. Um, Sometimes you're like, why is he doing that? The other times he kind of is just like a nice guy. <laughs> like, and You kind of believe it. And I think his uh like Southern drawl, kind of that lower toned voice is just perfect. I love Walton Goggins and Cecil is one of my favorite characters.
1: Also, shout out to Gillian Jacobs as Adam Eve. Huge fan of her from Community and Love on Netflix, so love seeing her pop up in the show. And um, I thought her like standalone special was great too.
0: Yeah, I guess before we get into kind of the season two stuff, Austin, uh, I haven't watched that special. Was there any kind of highlights or anything you wanted to talk about, re- like regarding that? Because we didn't get a ton of Adam even this episode, but I know people like you probably just watched that special that came out super recently.
1: Yeah, I think the main thing is, and I won't spoil anything, but man, you think Mark's origins are rough and sad? wait till you see Adam Eves because she has it just as bad. Um, I think her stuff is honestly even sadder just given like her home dynamics. So I think it's really worth watching. And I think it helps you kind of understand why Mark and Adam Eve are so like able to relate to each other and get along so well as like superhero best friends.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely going to watch that. I'm excited to watch it, but I guess, I don't know, maybe it's probably a writing thing and her performance because even the couple scenes that we get with her in the premiere, it's like watching her and Mark just sit together. There's just, like a natural chemistry there. And it's kind of what you're talking about. It's just kind of like they clearly understand each other. It doesn't feel forced. Um, Yeah, you love to see it.
1: Even Stephen Yen and Gillian Jacobs, like we're obviously not seeing them on screen together, but their voice acting has such good chemistry. So it's, I don't know how they do it, but like I'm emotionally attached to every single main character in the show.
0: All right. So just kind of getting into our larger discussion about the premiere episode here. I think Austin, a good place to start is kind of talking about that large gap between seasons that we mentioned. Obviously, there is that Adam Eve special, but still, that came out super recently. So it really has been like two and a half years, like we said, since you know season one came out, which, like you said, already feels crazy. I mean, I feel like I just watched that somewhat recently, <laughs> but evidently I did not. Uh, so I thought maybe like a good general opening thought was, after such a long wait, did you want the show to kind of pick up right after the events of season one, or because we had like such like a big real life jump were you expecting it to start like a while later what do you think
1: i don't know if i had any real like wants of what i was wanting the show to like pick up from season one but i was definitely expecting there to be a time jump just mainly it's because of how long the wait was but i thought with where the show left us with Omni Man leaving we know the Viltrmites are coming i thought we would get a time jump and, and maybe mark is like kind of ostracized for his events and what happened in the finale of season one or something like that. So I was, I was a little bit surprised because with this premiere, we do pick up like, I think a week after the destruction of Chicago.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting to hear you say that because I kind of feel the same way. I think part of me would have appreciated a bit more of a time jump. I think I, I like the way they handled it quite a bit. I, I guess what it comes down to for me, I don't know if you feel the same way, is I I didn't, like, you know, rewatch the previous eight episodes of season one of Invincible, so.
1: I had to do a recap, though, for sure.
0: Right, and and that can be tough, because it's like, should I go out and, like, find my own, like, YouTube video that's, like, a recap or something? Should I trust Amazon and just start the premiere episode, and, like, they'll give me, like, a couple-minute recap or something? I ended up doing the latter, and I think they did a fair enough job, but I will say, while watching the premiere, my only real negative is just that, A lot of it, I felt like I was taken out of it because I just kept trying to remember what happened in season one that wasn't part of the main plot regarding Mark and Omni-Man and that kind of thing. And in that regard, they did a great job, I think, of continuing the narrative. But like all the little things like the dynamics of the Guardians team um, and all that, I was like, what was that again? And then like because those like smaller story beats are featured so little in this episode, I was like, I guess they don't want me to think about that right now maybe they will in another episode so i don't know I, I will say that's what my main negative is just that i kept trying to remember what happened in season one a few years ago
1: yeah and it's a it's a negative but it's also a positive because another great highlight of this show in general is just the side stories are so interesting and yeah. even when we're not necessarily focusing on omni-man and invincible i'm still just as engaged and not like wanting to get back to that main part i i feel you though know, i was really struggling to remember like Oh, yeah. Why is Robot a human yeah. now? And, and things yeah. like that. I do love the Mahler twins. So I was glad they were oh, back. Yeah. I think their dynamic is so fun. It's
0: so good. One of my favorite, just recurring villains, if you even can call them that at this point. They're so fun. I, I definitely remember their, like, them and their shenanigans because that was kind of their thing in season one. They just kept popping up. You thought they would be a villain of the week. And then, no, they just keep showing up to <laughs> do various plans. And But then they also keep helping, like, random heroes fulfill their things like they did in season 2 but also they did the same thing with Robot that was one of the few things I mentioned is they were the ones responsible for building Robot's like other body and it's like yeah, kind of a weird dynamic but yeah Kevin Michael Richardson as the Mulder twins is so fun
1: and they're so smart of course but then they're also trying to figure out who's the main twin. And they always like, I feel like their episodes always end with them being like, I'm never working for somebody again. And they always do. <laughs> yeah. And this episode was kind of fun because I don't know how you
0: read the ending, but the way it seems like, you know, with the whole multiverse thing there, of course, we're going to have to talk about here in a second. It seems like by the end of this episode, there's only one Mahler left, right? Yeah. That's, that's, that's how like I took kind it. of horrifically scarred down the middle. So it almost makes me feel like they're still going to do like a two-face analog. So it's going to be like, even though there's only one left, he's still gonna kind of talk to himself like he's a twin, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I guess that's kind of a natural segue. I mean, with the Mahler twins and the multiverse thing. This episode started in a way that kind of scared me because at first I was like, is this a flash forward to when Omni Man comes yeah. back to Earth and like maybe somehow in the future Invincible teams up? But yeah, it's like they are totally on board with each other, they're murdering everybody, they're like getting ready for the Viltrumite expansion. And then it turns out, oh, this is just an alternate reality where Invincible did agree to Omni-Man's offer. Um, and I love Angstrom as kind of this like like grounded uh, character in all the realities that kind of witnesses all of this. And he tells us that like, yeah, in most realities, uh, Invincible did go along with his yeah, dad. I
1: think he says this is the only one where he doesn't. Oh, you're
0: right. Yeah, they did. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So it was even like more narrow than that. Uh, but what you kind of think of that intro and also the introduction of you know, a multiverse story, because I know a lot of people, I think, probably ourselves on this podcast included, we do uh, talk about there is a lot of multiverse stories in comics and in this media now. Uh, so what do you kind of think of this intro and the introduction that I guess we're getting another one of those types of stories?
1: Yeah, Isn't it crazy that probably six or seven years ago, like doing a multiverse in a show or a movie would have seemed really far fetched and like, oh, audiences yeah. can't understand it. And now it's literally every piece of superhero media has a multiverse. So that trend is just so interesting to me, just like stepping back from the show for a second. With the intro specifically in the alternate dimension, I had a weird, I guess, like I had a weird thought in my brain going on where similar to how we talked about with the fall of House of Usher a few weeks ago, where with Roger Usher he's such a despicable character, but there's moments where you like him. In this opening, I was kind of happy for Mark that he still had his relationship with his father and I was kind of enjoying watching them go around and be evil together. Like It was it was a weird intro. Then, of course, when he interacts with Adam Eve, that's when I was like, oh, shit, this sucks. But up until that point, I was like, man, good for Mark. He got back with his dad. <laughs> and that's kind of like the really fucked up
0: but also interesting part <laughs> about Omni-Man and J.K. Simmons' performance. I mean, I, th- I still think one of the iconic moments of the series is that moment whenever he's, like, punching Mark to... Basically, death in the season one finale, because Mark will not agree to the uh, Viltrumite expansion or whatever, like refusing that offer. And then he like in the middle of like beating his son to death, he has that flashback to whenever Mark like hit his first home run in baseball and he's like cheering for him. So like there is love there. So it's like if Mark like had agreed, then this like presentation, like this relationship that they're having that you're talking about would Presumably be what happens (laughs) because that was kind of their relationship before whenever Mark's powers were first developing. And that's kind of the fucked up part is just like, he kind of didn't care if his son had powers or not. It was just he had the son had to agree to the Viljamites like coming to earth and like just assimilating and killing whoever they needed to. It's like, but yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like watching them like kind of be buddy buddy (laughs) in that, in that alternate reality was kind of endearing a little bit.
1: <laughs> well, and if we think back to the finale too, Omni-Man is upset with himself that he can't kill Mark because there is love there and he's mad that he is not being a good Viltrumite because he kind of has to leave. So, there's that interesting dynamic too, but we do also know one person that Omni-Man really didn't care about was his wife Debbie because he just called her a pet and said their relationship was a lie and we do see her struggling with that too in this opening.
0: Yeah, I am wondering what will come of that like if he really meant that is that how he felt like because in the same flashback there is love between them but maybe it is more of kind of that pet dynamic like you mentioned and i mean he does say that outright so it's pretty fucked up and like she got to witness that and he did say to mark in a moment of um while fighting that he didn't care about her and that's kind of led her down this deep hole this like depression and this potential alcoholism i mean This is kind of what I was referring to in the beginning, like they are bringing in some real world elements. And I, for one, am happy to at least see Sandra Oh as Debbie get some, um, I think, needed screen time. And now that Nolan's gone, it's nice to see her have more scenes with Mark. You understand why he might be pushing her away just because, not because of her, just because he wants to be alone. But I love that final scene whenever he comes home and recognizes that something is wrong and that he'll make her dinner and all that. Like so. I'm curious where this will go, but I'm liking their scenes together.
1: It's interesting, too, seeing her getting support now from the other Guardians, uh, like widowed spouses that Omni-Man killed. So I wonder if that's going to be a larger dynamic. I am just from a like viewership point of view, I guess, wondering what her actual role is going to be this season, um, because obviously they're setting her up to be struggling with alcohol, is struggling with coping with everything. But I guess I'm just wondering how much screen time we're going to spend on that in this season too there's a lot of other plot points we got to get to.
0: And that's the thing with this show. And that also kind of lends to the huge cast. I mean, there's so many characters cause I kind of felt the same way about Amber, Mark's girlfriend and talking about, you know, we're going to go to college together and Mark's going to keep trying to be invincible and do that too. Like what's her role going to be for the rest of the season? Like I think in the first season, it kind of worked jumping around all these stories. You get a little bit of time with his mom, maybe his girlfriend, but now it kind of feels like with season two, they have to kind of maybe lock in on or hone in on some of these storylines. So I'm kind of with you. I'm curious what some of these like side characters, like how big their role might be in a larger story going forward.
1: And they still have to find a way to dedicate time to now the multiverse and then also the coming filtermite invasion. I was curious while we saw the multiverse, because we are seeing other Omni-Men, we're seeing other Invincibles who are evil, and then we also have this new character who's able to go in between dimensions, so they're going somewhere with that. I'm wondering just from like a power level type dynamic of like, if the multiverses do end up colliding, and we now have multiple Omni-Men, multiple Invincibles, is it just Mark that's going to be going up against them? Because that seems like a huge power imbalance if more of them now get involved.
0: Yeah, well, now I guess I'm wondering, it seems like in the season two premiere, we really got like a villain, potentially, I guess, introduction and origin story with Angstrom, who was this good guy trying to save Earth through using and utilizing resources from alternate Earths and then make our Earth better and those Earths and then take that technology and make like the other planets and universes better, essentially. So what seemed like a decent guy like a, a good-hearted person and then in the end by doing a good thing by removing this helmet in the middle of this um uh, experiment which like to save invincible because the molers are about to kill him and then by doing that he kind of merges all of his selves into one being with all those memories and now he's i guess created a villain so is it more that mark will have to go up against other invincibles and in Omnimen, or is it just that this new Angstrom that has all of his multiversal selves within his body, is that our new villain? I'm not sure. And kind of to your like earlier point, it's like... How long does this storyline last? When when does Omni-Man or the Viltrum like stuff come back in? Is that later? Cuz as you you and I both know like with comics it's like you can have an Omni-Man scene where he flies off at the end of season 1. We may not revisit that until season 3. I mean because yeah, <laughs> that, that storyline ends and then we do, oh, here's your next arc, the multiverse arc, and then we'll get back to that other one later. So I'm I'm curious about that and you did mention I think smartly earlier. It's like could this be a situation where this four episode arc in um like November of this year into December, does that end with maybe Mark defeating Angstrom and then like the last shot is Omni-Man landing back on Earth or something? And then the next four episodes in 2024, maybe that is like the Viltrum, the continuation there. I'm not exactly sure yet.
1: And also with this new multiverse villain that was created, I got to imagine at some point he's going to show Mark. These other worlds where the alternate marks like do take the deal, and that's going to further break Mark because he's trying so hard not to be evil and not to see his father. But then to see himself in other worlds always accept the deal, that's going to be tough too, I bet.
0: Could be, but I also, I mean, I can already like see the writing on the wall. Then you can imagine his mom coming in, you can imagine Cecil coming in, maybe his girlfriend coming in and saying, But Mark, you were the one that did the right thing you are the one that refused that offer like you truly are like the hero that your dad pretended to be i mean they've already like kind of seeded that in i loved hearing cecil kind of to mark but also away from mark talking about how he's wanting to protect him because in the past he kind of gave nolan free reign as omni-man so to speak not to be like a murderer or an evil person but he was like oh he's the best of us so i'll just you know let him do his thing and then it turned out he was actually secretly the worst of us. So with Mark, he's trying to be a bit more protective and keep him on a leash, so to speak. So it's like this idea that this is the one Mark that did the right thing. It might hurt Mark initially to find that out. But I think in the long run, that's going to make him an even more compelling character. I and mean, that's such a great character arc, I think, right there.
1: There is also with Cecil, though, like you never fully know what his motivations are because he also does tell Mark, this is what happens when you listen to me. So he's also, I think, trying to get Mark more under his thumb and more open yeah. to just kind of listening to Cecil's command.
0: Very true, because it was it was like endearing. It was kind of a hype moment, but it was also a little bit like comical that, like you know, Cecil has that great scene in the diner whenever he meets up with Mark and tells him that he needs to take a break because, you know, you're still fucked up from what your dad did and all the destruction. Uh, so just like takes two hours a- later, he puts yeah. him in the field. <laughs> so he's like, take some time off. But then, like when whenever Mark then just shows up and is like. I'm ready to follow orders. Just give me a suit. And then like Cecil turns around. And he's like, hey, let's do this, brother. <laughs> it's like, let's, it's get, a, let's get this man in the air. Yeah. It's like, it's a hype moment, but also like, okay, Cecil. So <laughs> I'm kind of with you. We don't know exactly. Um, I'm curious where that will go as well.
1: And don't forget too, Cecil does have that army of like zombie cyborgs that he's building as a, I guess, fallback option for if Omni-Man comes back and Mark can't stop him.
0: Yeah, which is interesting too. What do you think about kind of like the Cecil dynamic or I guess less about the dynamic, but just Cecil and the new Guardians team minus Invincible and Adam Eve. Like like I kind of mentioned at the top, I mean, these were characters that we got to spend a lot of time with in season one. So maybe this could be another question of like, do we see a lot of the Guardians team going forward with like Rexplode, Monster Girl, Duplicate, like Robot? Um, I like seeing them in this episode, like doing what they can to save people. But according to Cecil, not doing enough. They're just like, you know, There's still too much collateral damage. They're not saving enough lives. Like, what do you think about seeing uh, this team in action once again?
1: Most interesting thing to me here was like the Immortal officially getting put back on the team because this team really still is the B team and the Immortal did captain like the A team until they got destroyed by Omni-Man. So I'm excited to see that dynamic. I also thought it was interesting in the alternate world. We do see Immortal uh, going up against Mark, this alternate one and again gets cut in half by Omni-Man how many times i can see that in this show but it's happened a lot um but then we do have like our current immortal saying basically telling mark i don't trust you and i think you actually are evil so i'm excited to see that dynamic play out too
0: yeah me too i love the immortal as a character it's just such a fun idea um and it's like whenever he does get that fucked up he has to go into like months of recuperation <laughs> i yeah. think it's like kind of funny but also believable so the fact that he's now just getting back into The team after what happened at near the end of season one is fun to see.
1: And also another interesting superhero arc who like he led this universe's Justice League and he watched all of his friends and co-superheroes get destroyed by this man. And now he's having to come back into the superhero front with this new team that isn't really as good as his old team. And then he also has the son of the man that destroyed all his friends flying around and also trying to help, too. So I like seeing that dynamic play out.
0: Me too. It's completely believable. And it also paired well with the multiverse story because in the multiverse, as we as we talked about, um, Invincible tends to agree with his dad and go along with that offer. So the fact that they like paired those scenes with Immortal then coming to our mark and saying, "I don't trust you," kind of makes sense because I guess in most realities, the Immortal is right not to. <laughs> yeah, um, and you can't really blame him for that, but. You know, we kinda of, we've we've talked about like, you know, how much screen time will Debbie Grayson get? What about Amber? What about our uh B team who are now like the new default Guardians team? Like, how much of them are we gonna see going forward? I do kind of feel like with how they um played up the immortal in this episode, I think he's gonna be a huge part of this season. And I hope that's true. I think like that there's a very natural way to bring him into the main narrative of the story, and maybe like ending this season with like finally a begrudgingly like Immortal having to team up with Mark and finally trusting him. I think that could be where we're heading, and I hope so, because that would be a lot of fun. But their dynamic, I think, will be great, regardless of what it ends up being.
1: And it might be predictable, but maybe at some point, we'll get like an Immortal-Mark dynamic, where it's almost like that surrogate father-son relationship. Yeah, maybe. Any thoughts on the new Bulletproof team member that gets introduced?
0: Um, Not yet. I love Jay Farrow. Excited to see him in the show. Um, But as for any thoughts on the character... Not quite yet. We haven't seen a whole lot. Um, I love Jason Manzukas as well. So just kind of having Rexplode being <laughs> a big member of the team and kind of the mouthpiece and having uh, him uh, be the one that uh, kind of introduces Bulletproof was fun. Um, but yeah, I'm curious what other characters we might see. I don't have a lot to say about Bulletproof, but, you know, I'm excited. I'm sure they're going to they're introducing them for a reason. So I'm sure there's going to be some cool scenes coming up soon.
1: Yeah, I'm just interested since we've never seen this character before and Cecil adds them to the team. Is this somebody that Cecil created? I'm curious how he is tied to Cecil, because Cecil does kind of just pop him on there whenever he says Immortal's in charge now.
0: Yeah, and Cecil is also the one that was directly responsible for recovering the Immortal and putting them into whatever process needed to bring them back to life again. So it's like whenever the Immortal shows up, it's like, oh, that's because Cecil planned for that. And that was what he wanted to do. So you could be right. It's like maybe Bulletproof is also part of that because you I mean this is a pretty solid team dynamic. Um but we're gonna throw robot out and put a mortal at the front. So again I guess it kind of lends to what you're talking about. You know, Cecil seems like a good guy, I think, most of the time, but he's definitely is planning certain things and at the end of the day wants to prevent the Viltramites from <laughs> taking over Earth. So maybe he's like moving the chess pieces around.
1: Who knows? The other thing that stood out to me with just a random new hero being added to the team was in the Adam Eve special superheroes being created in a lab is a really big piece of that. So if this is a superhero that was created for this team, I'm curious to see how that's going to play out with Cecil. And then also if if they were just created, what Adam Eve thinks about that.
0: Interesting. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, before we close out here, because we're already kind of talking about what could or might happen, is there anything else when it comes to the main story or whatever it may be, could be a big thing or a little thing that you're hoping to see in the rest of the season? What do you think?
1: I really want to see our telepathic Green Lantern member of this universe kind of come back into the forefront. The guy that the guy who Mark meets with on the moon at the end of season one, um, he seems to know a lot more about the Viltrumite Empire and what the rest of the galaxy is doing to try to stop their expansion. So I hope he gets more involved. And then I'm really excited to see the coming Viltrumite invasion. I hope that's a big part of the season. I hope they don't wait to season three. But I kind of could understand it they did just to have that threat kind of loom larger and larger.
0: I think we'll get it. Honestly, coming into this episode, like I, like I mentioned at the top, I was a little disappointed whenever I read that. It's like, oh, really? So it's like you're doing four episodes after two and a half years. And then I, I have to wait like potentially several months to watch four more. And then you're going to go away for another year or two. <laughs> like that fucking <laughs> sucks. But I think you could be right. I think maybe they're splitting it up, hopefully. Um, To like separate the stories just a little bit like they all kind of like fold into each other. But if maybe we wrap up the multiverse Angstrom story by the end of episode four, that feels like the perfect opportunity to bring in Omni-Man. And I don't think it's going to be the full on Viltrum invasion. Like I would be surprised if that's the case. My guess would just be that there's still a little bit more to go, like building-wise, before we get to that. Like I could see like Omni Man dropping in to Earth in episode five, and maybe he has like a stronger presence between episodes like five and eight. And he keeps saying, you know, Viltrum's getting closer. You know, Mark, I know that that was your last off, the last offer I gave you. Here's your final chance, and that that's where maybe the mom comes in. And look, I'll say it, I wouldn't be surprised if Omni Man just like fucking murders Debbie in front of a. Uh, Mark that could happen <laughs>
1: um, but cuz he could he could come back and try to break Mark too yeah like even true. further
0: like he's still trying to get him to come to his side but now he's doing it less out of like Mark I love you you're my son please we need to be together and work together and now it's like I still want him on my side but now I'm going to do it by literally breaking him I'm going to kill his girlfriend I'm going to kill his mom in front of him
1: I could see a scene too where all three of them are lined up together And Omni-Man kills one and says he'll kill the other two if if Mark doesn't join him. And tells him to choose or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, But yeah, that that would be my guess right now. I think we're going to wrap up the multiverse story in a couple episodes, and we'll have a little bit of a break, maybe get an Omni-Man tease. And then the back half will essentially be an extended teaser for season three, where maybe the Viltrum Invasion will be the main story. Uh, But like the the back half of this season will be Omni-Man... Like, really trying to fuck up Mark to get him to understand, hey, we've gotten a lot closer to you guys. Like, we're almost here. Um, but we'll see. Because, I mean, they're not going to, like, they're not going to, like, shelf J.K. Simmons for, like, a whole season. I mean, he he's going to have a a big role, I feel like. So we'll see how he comes back in.
1: It could just be a role in the alternate universes, too. That's maybe, true. Maybe we see him there. Yeah. And the other thing I could see as well with this big brain villain guy is the... Good guy that was there is still in his mind somewhere. So I'm wondering if if there's a way for Mark to appeal to him at the end of this four episode arc. And that's when they start preparing with all his multiversal knowledge for Omni-Man and the Knights to begin to start their invasion.
0: Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun, too. I feel like that's kind of in line for a show like this. It's like, you know, your, your multiversal self, they're all in there, which means there's one good one left in you. And I think that would tie perfectly into the story of Mark being the one good one that refused Man's offer so they can kind of maybe relate to each other in that sense it, it's so weird coming into this episode like like i said i was like i don't have like a ton to say i'm just glad the show is back but i mean it is like a you know like a little bit of a recap and like what maybe like a 38 40 minute episode kind of reintroducing us to this world continuing some of the stories and kind of setting us up for more i'm excited for the more um but yeah after talking about it i'm just like yeah i love this show I, I don't know. I just like, it's so good. It's so good. It's, it's a welcome return. But yeah, you know, I, I just can't wait for whatever they do. I'm sure they're going to surprise us. I mean, what we're talking about now is probably null and void. I'm sure they're like, eh, whatever. <laughs> but whatever they do is going to be great.
1: I'm glad it's back. We may have to return to Invincible whenever the four episode arc wraps up. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, awesome. Before we fully
0: close out here, let's do a little bit of Arnie's podcast awards. The part of our show where we pick something positive, negative, or something in between from the thing that we just talked about. It's just something that we feel deserves an award. So what do you want to give an award to today?
1: I'm going to give the, why are you surprised award? Uh, and it's going to go to Debbie Grayson. She is still shocked when Mark comes home with his face all bruised up. And (laughs) I just feel like in this show, we have seen Mark with bruises on his face more than we have seen them without bruises on his face. So why is she still
0: surprised? It's a great question. Mine ties a little bit into that. Uh, my award, of course, is for the Best Dentist Award. Uh, in season one, whenever Omni-Man punched Mark to basically death, he knocked out all of his teeth except, I think, like two. And then <laughs> in this episode, the Mahler twins, whenever they and their univ- like multiverse selves attack Mark, they do the exact same move and knock out all of his teeth again. And I'm just like, so if you're someone like Omni-Man or Invincible, do do healing, I just want to know, do healing powers affect teeth? I know that's very specific, but I am curious about it. And if not, who is the dentist, like, just knocking this out of the park every time? They're doing some great work. And if they are, we should highlight them a little bit.
1: I have answers to both your questions. Uh, I think the healing powers only affect the wounds of the teeth, so the actual teeth don't grow back. But I do think Mark is going to see his tailor, Mr. Mark Hamill, and the tailor is building him a new suit, repairing that, and then also putting new teeth in his mouth.
0: I'm glad you said that, because that was kind of my hope deep down. (laughs) Will Mark Hamill show up in this show after season one? Part of me thinks no, but we'll see. Uh, well, I remember back.
1: that Mark Hamill is indeed a part of this show in That's season true. one.
0: It's a thrilling, thrilling thing to see for you. I mean, he could be too busy <laughs> with Mike Flanagan projects. Maybe he can't be in this season of Invincible, but I'm sure he will be in next season. If not, uh, he's not that busy. He's kind of busy, but he's not that busy.
1: I would rather Mark Hamill be busy with Mike Flanagan projects than busy with Star Wars projects. Very. We could not agree
0: more on that. Uh, and with <laughs> that, I'm sure, Mark, you out there listening, you agree. And thank you all, including Mark, so much for listening. If you enjoy this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we would appreciate that. So we continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcast us, help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and TheArnie's.media is the website. We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode.
1: And we do want to hear from you, so please shoot us a message on Instagram at the TheArnie's or email us the Media at gmail.com. What did you think of Invincible's Season 2 premiere? Is Mark Hamill your favorite actor of all time? <laughs> Anything you say on the show, we'll read and react to it live on our latest episode. That's right, everybody.
0: Please, um, on Instagram or Twitter, I guess, message Mark Hamill Mention that the Arnie's sent you there and ask him if he will be in Invincible season two, uh, because we know he's so busy with my clinic and projects and also ask ask him if
1: he's taking any acting classes.
0: Yeah, please do. Actually, that's a great question. That's a great question.
1: You're never too old to keep learning. And Mark Hamill is never too old to keep learning how to act.
0: I think uh, that was in the Bible. I think that's one of my favorite sentences. (laughs) Um, So, with that, there's no better way to close out, everybody. We'll see you next week. Hope you enjoy this episode. We'll see you next time.
1: And glad we got into the same college.